the Page Turner, Episode 6, House of Danger. Oh, hello. Oh, uh, oh, it's you. Oh, I didn't recognise you. Have, have you done something to your hair? Oh, you've grown a lockdown beard. <laughs> yeah, well, happens to the best of us. Anyway, come on in, take your shoes and socks off. <laughs> Put your feet up. I'm sorry, I'm trying to find different ways to introduce the podcast. That was a mistake. Anyway, welcome to Voyage of the Page Turner, the choose-your-own page-turning podcast with me, comedian, actor, friend, <laughs> Colin Lego. Now, before we get into the actual meat of today's podcast and the story itself, I've got an announcement to make. I want to start a brand new initiative. It is called Be More Like Bethany. Yeah, Be More Like Bethany or uh, BMLB, if if you want to. Yeah, the BMLB party. Uh, Not a political party. It's just a party. You all get a goodie bag and a hat. This is all because listener Bethany Weston has messaged the show on Twitter, so she's got really good taste. Not only does she listen to the show regularly, she's also sent us a message on Twitter, at Show. thanks for asking. Same as Facebook and Instagram, at Show. Anyway, this is why you need to be more like Bethany, BMLB, because Bethany says... Really love listening to the podcast every week. Yeah, correct. Not just once, every week. Thanks, Bethany. She goes on. If you need an escape for half an hour and love getting lost in stories, open brackets, which are super cool and hilarious at the same time, close those brackets, then this is the perfect podcast. Ooh, that's what we like. That's why you need to be more like Bethany. And... She goes on. They're so enjoyable to listen to. Love the sound effects as well. Really transport you into the stories. The character Manuel in last week's episode really made me laugh. So, remember kids, BMLB. Anyway, thanks for that, Bethany. Uh, I'll send you a t-shirt when we get them made, which we're not going to. So, uh, I don't know why I said that. The email address for anything that you aren't prepared to say directly to our pathetic little faces is voyageofthepageturner at gmail.com. So, episode six, here we are, half a dozen episodes out already. (laughs) We're on a roll now. Now, I'm quite excited because today's book, The House of Danger, sounds exciting already. It promises a lot, right? From the front cover and the description on the back of the book, we are going to get a lot of things from this book. (laughs) It's slightly insane because unlike other stories, like there's some kind of reality, this book offers a load of things which you'll discover later. But one of those things is ghosts. Ooh. There might be some ghost hunting today. I don't know why I did that. Ooh, people, you've got to, if you're talking about ghosts. Ooh, the ghosts. You've got to do a ghost storytelling voice, haven't you? So, depending on how my Voyager guest does today, we might meet some ghosts. Exciting. Love a bit of ghost hunting. Now, because of this, when I knew this was going to be part of this book, last week on Twitter, at Page Turner Show, thanks for asking again, I put a poll out on Twitter. The question was simple. Do ghosts exist? And the answers were, yes. Yes, they do. No, they don't. And the results are in. The results are in, everybody. And I'd like to announce that a huge 61% of you out there said no. 
No, Colin, ghosts do not exist. Grow up. Um, which is a shame, I think, because, you know, I, I, I would like to think that we just don't know. We just don't know. I mean, I'm grasping at straws, really. So obviously there's a clear majority of people out there who don't actually think ghosts exist. And from that post on Twitter, Davids and Dragons tweeted me and commented on this post and he said, I do not believe in ghosts. The lack of verifiable and repeatable experiences makes it highly unlikely that they exist. I will continue to disbelieve the presence of ghosts until sound scientific inquiry presents evidence of their existence. P.S. I really wish they were real though. So thanks for that David, but what, what do you mean there's not enough evidence? Have you not seen Ghostbusters. That is not only a classic, but also it's very scientifically accurate. So for evidence, you've got Ghostbusters 1, yeah, and then in 1989 you had Ghostbusters 2, which was awful, so let's not worry about that. And then in 2016 you had Ghostbusters, the remake, very funny film. What more evidence do you need, David? I mean, in Ghostbusters 2, there was a talking painting that came to life. Eh? I mean, if that doesn't tell you that ghosts exist, there's something wrong with you, David. Remember, this is BMLB, be more like Bethany. It's not BMLD, is it, David? No, not if you're going to question ghosts on Twitter. No, it's never going to be BMLD. I don't know, I'm losing it. Anyway, thank you, David, for messaging. I got a bit worked up then. I think I'm the other way. I think they do exist, and there needs to be evidence to say they don't exist before I believe they don't exist. Yeah, flip the coin. All right, I'll move on. There was loads of ghost stuff around in the 80s, wasn't there? You had all the Ghostbusters films. And then one of my favourite ice lollies was also ghost-themed. It was a Casper the Friendly Ghost <laughs> ice lolly, which was white. I think it was lemon. Looked a bit like Casper. And then when you bit into it, this blue sugary goo... <laughs> came out of wherever you'd bitten off a bit of Casper. So he'd be like bleeding out of his face or his head or bite off his little ghostly arms and blue goo would all pour out. That's nice, isn't it, if you're a kid? Mummy, Casper's bleeding to death. Mm, tastes nice though, doesn't it? Right, so into today's story. And like I said, book six, House of Danger. My guest today not only is an amazing performer, a brilliant storyteller, she's also a very, very good friend of mine and she happens to be from Cornwall. Oh, two people from Cornwall, Colin, on the same podcast. It's just like buses, but more Cornish. <laughs> so there is a little bit of a fear, because we're both from the same place, that we might veer off a little bit and not talk about the story or the book or ghosts and just talk about people we know and pastry goods. But we'll try not to. And I'm very pleased you're meeting Shaz today. She is a wonderful human being. And this episode was a really, really fun one to record with her. So let's get into it. Book six, House of Danger, on this, The Voyage of the Page Turner. Shaz Andrew is an actor, storyteller, theatre maker and meditation teacher who hails from the windy clifftops of Cornwall. With over 20 years experience creating story-based theatre on legends and folklore, Shaz clearly knows what direction a good story should go. But can she make it out alive from the House of Danger? I very much doubt it. 
Thank you, Sam. Uh, Shaz, welcome to the show and welcome to being the Voyager. Thank you so much for having me, Colin. I'm so excited, like truly proper excited. I mean, I've known you for a while and I don't want to say how long because it makes us sound old, but I didn't know you as a child. Uh, but I assume we had similar childhoods because we both grew up in Cornwall. Yeah, I was very much, I was brought up in um, the village of Godolphin, tiny little village shop tiny little post office and a pub so it was great you know really really you had godolphin mm. woods to explore um Tregoning hill godolphin hill so there's plenty of outdoor activities and well and nice hills so that made bike riding fun wow yeah because i mean where i grew up i think helped me get into these books because i already had adventures did were you were adventurous as a child going into those woods I definitely was of the generation and when I say this it again you say it now and it makes the parents sound irresponsible and kind of but I wasn't it was that generation where say for the school holidays I'd be out the house at nine o'clock with my my school friends from the village and I'd be home for lunch and I'd be home for tea sometimes I'd be home for tea depending on where we were do you know what I mean because time would fly Uh, and then we'd just come home and and there was a kind of not there was a safety and almost a like, well, what are you doing indoors? It's sunny out, get out. So from an adventurous point of view, I suppose, yes, in a way, um, mm. because you, you went out and you actually did stuff and kind of explored mm. and got muddy and had a few scrapes on a bit of barbed wire if you misjudged the gate. And... Yeah, and I, and I think, uh, like you said, it's, it's different nowadays, isn't it? Everyone's so worried about everything. Do you remember these books? Or were they part of your childhood? Absolutely. And especially um, because we used to have a mobile library. I think it was a Wednesday afternoon it came. And you'd kind right. of like, when I was a certain age, literally, I, can, I literally lived 200 metres away from my primary school. So it was not like my parents had to pick me up. I walked home and mm. I was in my front room. And um, but on, on, on mobile library day, I would get picked up and we literally mother would be like, slow down, slow down, because we was going downhill and it used to park in front of the pub. And I'd be like waddling, kind of jogging, whatever you want to call it. But it's just like got to get to the library, got to get the good books. And it was just but there'll be like six of us doing the same thing, just kind of power walking down the hill. I don't know if people do it anymore, but my gran was a big library person. And because she was elderly, she could never remember what books she had read. So what she used to do, she used to put a little ER, Elizabeth Rogers. She used to put her little pencil initials in the back of the book she'd read. And you were allowed to do it then. And then you'd open a book and there'd be this long line of initials, you know, where people could recognise, have I read this book? And it was the same. So like when it came to these adventure books, because you couldn't have the luxury of doing in chronological order of printing you'd be just like mm. i've got to put me initials like in the back because you <laughs> there's a mobile library and these books were like gold dust because it just wasn't our village it was all the villages the library would go to so like when oh, a choose right. your own adventure book was on the shelf and you got your sticky paws on it it was just, yeah you know it was brilliant brilliant <laughs> I was going to say, I, I didn't know that defacing books was legal. I thought you were having some kind of Cornish criminal activity there, Shaz. To be honest, to be honest, I don't know if people do that now. And I don't, probably they don't have to because everything's digitalised. So you've probably somewhere, if you know what you're doing in the Cornwall County Council Library thing, you can see what books you've actually read 
if you're wow. a, a, a regular library user. Love it. I love a mobile library. They don't see them nowadays. That's a shame. So when you were out and about as an eight-year-old, say, seven, eight-year-old, out all summer, not at home apart from tea time, was there any snacks involved? Because my guests uh, on the podcast so far have been a big fan of crisps. Crisps have featured quite strongly, but sweets also. I mean, what was the eight-year-old Shaz munching into on those adventures? It was the food I could make myself. So if it was a case of not oh. coming home till tea time, it was yeah. either going to be a jam or a peanut butter sandwich. Not not both. It was either jam or peanut <sighs> butter. Uh, right. Peanut butter would be my favourite sandwich to put in my oh. knapsack, for want of a better word. Um, All right, Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my little, little checkered handkerchief on a on a shaker <laughs> um, Yeah, so peanut butter would be my favourite. However. Mm. Um, it was more likely to be jam in our house. Mm. And um, my mum only made jam once and it was so hard, we broke the spoons. It was just, <laughs> she, didn't have a, she didn't have a sense of it and she overboiled it. So, um, But also, if it was a sweet, I didn't mm. have them often because I didn't like the way they make my teeth felt, but I oh. did like the popping candy was a wham bar. Oh, a wham bar. You are the first voyager to pick up on a wham bar. Yeah, what an incredible bit of confectionery that is. Oh my God, I mean, it just, no wonder we ran around for eight hours a day and only came back for tea. The amount of rubbish yeah. that must have been in it, just like that fueled you for like, okay, I've had a wham bar, I'm good for nine hours, see you, mum, bye! <laughs> Just hanging and off on your bike. I know, and I know, I know, like they're all about natural flavorings and natural colors, and there was nothing natural in those apart from like the plutonium, I think. They were. That's really good. Plutonium pink with popping candy. <laughs> Absolutely. Gosh. So that is a, a proper accompaniment to a peanut butter sandwich. A nice little homemade sandwich there, Shaz. Yeah. And I remember yeah. eat, drinking. Um, oh, it was a local company. Oh, I can't remember, but it was Limeade. In a oh. white can. I tell you who it was, Shaz. It was Jollies. Jollies. Some, I, I remember having sandwiches and limeade, Jollies limeade in a white can. So as an adult, before we get into this book, uh, and the book today is The House of Danger, decision-making as an adult, we will talk about this later, but you have your own meditation school. Mm-hmm. Do you think, and I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, do you think... The way you um, look at life and meditate, does that help or ch- change your decision making? Yes, it does. Um, when you, uh, not to bang on, when you've got a more rested system, you kind of are in tune with your gut instinct. So most mm. people know, hear their gut instinct. This is the science behind it. Uh, hear mm. their, what the, the, their gut feeling is within the first two to three seconds of a specific experience happening the gut instinct will kick in straight away and it's then when the head overthinks it that and then the kind of but what if but what if but what if and then all the speculation appears and that's when that happens so when you meditate for a long time the chatty what ifs seem to just settle down a bit right so you hear your gut instinct a lot louder and you trust yourself more to go okay that's interesting even if it's not potentially what may seem a logical thing Mm. that you know it might be the fact you meet someone and they seem really nice but your gut instinct is going hmm watch this little badger there's something about him do you know what i mean and you you know and that kind of stuff or actually i'm going to walk this way actually no don't walk this way go that way and you don't know why Mm. 
but you, you mm. listen to it and you trust it. Um, so regards to the books, I just want the book to take me where I want to go. So I don't have right. any expectation. I, I, I would like the best story. So hopefully oh. my decision making will be one from the heart and the most exciting one, I suppose. All right. Well, let, let's find out. Let me read you out some st- vital statistics at the back of the book, Shaz. Interactions with a Venus flytrap. There are two of those in the book. Encounters with Genghis Khan, one of those. (laughs) You might have an opportunity to meet Genghis Khan. Uh, Possible endings, 20. So there's 20 ways to finish this book. Alien abductions, 7. I mean, like I said to you off air, this book is insane. Slayings by chimpanzees, 4. So there are four times where you might be killed by a chimpanzee. I tell you what, that's the one I'm attracted to the most, you know. Out of those four, I'm just like, no, no. never have occurred to me be slayed by a chimpanzee. So, no. uh, I mean, it is called House of Danger, but I mean, chimpanzees, Genghis Khan, it's the House of Horrors. And let me give you a quote from 11 year old Cody. Now, Cody was 11 year old in 1982, but they say, warning, 99% chance of death. This book will make you cry. So, uh, just a warning, Shaz. Thanks, Cody. Yeah. My God. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to get into it now, Shaz, and venture into House of Danger, book six in Voyage of the Page Turner. Episode six, House of Danger. The phone rings. A scared voice on the other end is begging you for help. You trace the call to the site of an old prison that burned to the ground more than 100 years ago taking the lives of 112 prisoners. Even though you're an expert detective, you sense that the case will be unusually creepy and dangerous. Should you answer this cry for help, the House of Danger holds many mysteries. You will encounter hostile chimpanzees, space aliens, ghosts from the Civil War, or even travel through time. This will be one case you'll never forget, if you make it out alive. Yeah, there's a lot to take in there. But my first question to you, Shaz, now as an adult, do you have any belief in ghosts? Have I seen a ghost? No. Do I believe in things that I have no um, particular experience of? Yes. Because there's a big Mm. old world and there's a big old universe and Mm. I can't know everything. So I think there are people that will have experienced something which was Mm. true to them and I'm not going to disrespect what they believe to be their truth. Would the eight-year-old Shaz believed in ghosts or hoped to see a ghost? Hell yeah, yeah. she would have been... The thing is, again, primary school opposite a graveyard. Oh, yeah. Big hangout. So, you know, and especially come dusk, it was like, we were all really confident hanging around. We were always respectful of the graveyard. We were never like trampling or doing that but it was a place to walk through and it was all these beautiful pine trees you hit especially kind of awesome winter when it started to go dark quick it was amazing yes. how kind of like we're all really energetic and confident and having a laugh 
And as soon as the sun would start to set and we had to walk home through the graveyard, yeah. very different feeling, yeah. very different. So yeah, yes. eight years old, absolutely believe in ghosts. I think me and my friend Scott around that age sat in Budok graveyard for about 10 minutes one evening and then was like, that's enough now. We have scared ourselves silly. Uh, we didn't see anything. But yeah, just you just make yourself see things, don't you, I think, when you're that age. And hear things as well, you know, if a fox or something goes and suddenly you're being followed and stuff like that. And, and of course in Cornwall as well, the wildlife is always around. You'll hear a badger or a squirrel or whatever it is and uh, think it's an axe murderer. Again, on the Cornish thing, you're brought up with piskies and knockers and all sorts oh, yeah. of things that are down mines and in coves and caves so again you're just like oh right so there's piskies down the mine great no worries absolutely i'm on board with that that's not creepy right well sam has told us what the book is about and before i start reading it to you let me remind you uh the li- listeners will be aware of this this may last 10 minutes it may last 20 minutes or even longer it all is down to you shaz because you are the decision maker I bet I'm out in the first about <laughs> 20 different endings. We'll probably find the shortest one. Okay. Cody said 99% chance of death. You know, yeah. there's 99 yeah. deaths and I bet one way to get through without dying. <laughs> Via a Venus flytrap or a chimpanzee with rabies. Right, here we go. It is a Tuesday afternoon in late June. You are on your way down to your lab in your parents' basement when the phone rings. You dash to the lab and pick it up. I need, I need, says a weak voice. You hear a loud click and the phone goes dead. Drat, you weren't ready for that. You are an aspiring detective and psychic investigator caught off guard. You slump down in your chair. That voice really sounded desperate. You boot up your computer and look around. The heat of the day has not penetrated your combination office of research laboratory where you sit surrounded by tools of your trade, infrared activated floodlights, high-speed movie cameras and night scopes among them. Two large bookcases stretch from floor to ceiling, crammed with titles that would drive the timid from the room. Titles include Ghosts and Ghouls and Corpses I Have Known, to name but a few. I mean, this is all set up, but how interesting. The phone rings again, and this time you are ready. You pick up the receiver before the first ring dies out. At the same time, you activate the phone's tracker and voice recorder programs running on your laptop and note the time at 2.42. Hello, you say. Help! I need your help! Lovely impression by me of someone with a weak voice. Who are you, you ask? What is your name? I'm scared, the voice says. They're after me. Get a hold of yourself, you say. I can't help you if you don't give me your name and address. They've got me. They've got me. The phone goes dead again. I've got to say at this point, Shaz, you you, you don't take any uh, nonsense. You're like, tell me who you are. (laughs) I'm a detective. I need these answers. I need the facts. How can I help someone out the facts? This person might be dying. You're like, shut up, tell me who you are. Okay. This time, however, you are prepared. In a few seconds that you've been talking, your telephone tracing device, which operates in milliseconds, has already found the number of the other person, as well as the name and address of the house's owner. It reads, 555-7259, Henry Marsden, at 1100 Hedgebrook. Right, so you've got the address... And the name of this person now, Shaz. 
You copy this information down in your notebook. Something about this call is nagging at the back of your mind. Is it that the call reminds you of the spider ghost case? It too started with a mysterious phone call. Even though you were quite young, you solved that case single-handedly. The certificate from the FBI now hangs neatly on the office wall. And the generous reward you receive from the Ridgeway family when you save them from certain death has financed your specialised detection equipment. One thing you learnt from that case is that working by yourself is risky business. Ricardo and Lisa, two of your friends in the neighbourhood, wanted to help you with a case. Well, this is their chance. When you call their phones, however, they are not picking up. You leave a message for them to call you back as soon as possible. You're eager to begin work on the case as soon as you can, but you know it might be dangerous to start alone. Now Shaz, here's your first choice. You could decide to immediately go to the address that you got from your tracker system. Or you could decide to give Ricardo and Lisa a chance to call you back and go as a three. What do you reckon? Okay. <laughs> the only reason I would want to go with Ricardo and Lisa is so I mm. could say Ricardo. <laughs> I don't have a friend yeah. called Ricardo. None, none of us had a friend called Ricardo growing up in 1980s Cornwall, did we? <laughs> so there is a certain attraction about going with Ricardo and Lisa. However, I want to get on with it and I want to go there. So, oh, Wow, so you're torn, a little bit torn. I mean, I can't help you with your decisions, but could be dangerous, right, if you go alone? But maybe the, 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 uh, the psychic investigator of you just wants to get in there. What are you going to do? It's a tricky old one. I'm going it alone. <gasps> oh. You're taking the ball by the horns. I love it. I mean, forget Ricardo. He's dead to us. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, Ricardo. Another time. The Marsden residence turns out to be a large modern house located in a fashionable suburb about half an hour's drive from your house. You see it through a tall iron fence running along the road. The house is set back behind a broad and well-trimmed hedge. You park your car down the road and walk back to the gatehouse that gives access to the estate. The gatehouse is strangely old-fashioned and ornate in contrast to the main house. The heavy iron gates, inside their framework of stone, stand slightly ajar, leaving just enough room for you to squeeze through if you wanted to. A bronze plaque is set into the stone on the outside of one of the walls. It reads... Site of Hedgebrook Prison, which was burned to the ground during the prison riot of 1887. 112 prisoners died in the fire. Northwich Historical Society. You glance again at the house. The front of it is constructed largely of glass. A short distance to one side of the house is what looks like a large, strange metal sculpture rising out of a number of huge blackened hunks of shattered concrete. A shudder goes through you as you realise that these forms of twisted metal might actually be the remains of the old burnt-out prison. Suddenly a man dashes out of the house. Help! Help! They're after me! The man cries. Halfway to the gate, he drops to the ground as if he's been hit by an invisible hammer. You dash through the gate and run towards the fallen figure, but something stops you in your tracks. Three snarling animals materialise in front of the house. What are they, you wonder? Can they be huge chimpanzees? 
They look mean and angry. For a moment, you are frozen on the spot. The man on the lawn can't move and needs your help. But what good can you do? You might be mauled by angry chimpanzees. Now, Shaz, I think we know what the choice is to have you have to make. You have to decide whether the chimpanzees are as dangerous as they look and rush in to aid the man or make a hasty retreat to your car. This has gone crazily, like, insane rather quickly. Why would I go back to my car? Well, because you've got some angry chimpanzees that could attack you. Yeah, but that's, where's the fun in that? <laughs> where's the... Ooh, I'm going to go back now. No, I'm going to help the dude the, with the chimpanzees after him. Of course I'm going to oh. run in there with no sense. Of course I am. Well, so that, that decision took milliseconds to make. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to go home. I'm at the house of danger. Let's see what it's about. That—that that is true. That is true. Okay. All right. We're gonna. We didn't have to think about it. We're going in. We're going in. You have to admit that you are scared, but the man on the ground needs help. The only weapon you can think of is a penknife that you always carry in your pocket. You take out the knife. The chimpanzees seem to back off a little, but they are still snarling. Just as you reach the man on the ground. They lope off into a bizarre ruin near the house. They swing through the ragged network of twisted beams for a few seconds, and then they vanish. You turn your attention back to the man on the ground. His breath comes in short gasps. It sounds almost like sobs. Aww. I know, sad. You bend down and take the paper from his fingers and examine it for a message. It is blank on both sides. Just then, the man gives you one terrible gasp and lies still. Your knees are weak. This man has been frightened to death. Oh my gosh. You've now got a death on your hand, Shaz. The chimpanzees reappear in front of the house. One of them holds a long bamboo blowpipe. He pushes it to his lips and blows. You feel a breeze on your cheek. Could it be the dart whizzing by your face? You race back across the lawn, through the gate and back to your car. This feels like real danger, and you'd promise your parents you'd call the police if your safety was ever at risk. Now, Shaz, this is what you've got to do. You've got to decide. Do you go back to the house later and sneak in from a different direction, or do you decide to call the police and report this as a possible murder? I go back and I sneak back in later on. Ah. So you're not getting the police involved? No. What might happen if you get the police involved, do you think? Well, the cops would just be everywhere then, wouldn't they? Or, mm. to be honest, do you know what I mean? And then you decide, I got the phone call. I got the phone call saying, help me, help me. Yeah. Why didn't he yeah. call the police? Well, that's true. That's true, yeah. So maybe there's something, as a detective, mm. I bring to this particular mm. party. So it was the 80s, and I'm sure he could have got through to the police on 999 really efficiently but he didn't he chose to find my number and phone yeah. detective shaz are you are you regretting the uh choice to not have ricardo and lisa with you because i think three of you against three chimpanzees you might have been able to uh fight them off well maybe but not really i mean i'm not no. saying i didn't have a close call with a poison dart brushing past my cheek but yeah, no, I think I want to sneak in. I want to sneak in. I'm not saying, as you said, this might last 10 minutes. It might last an hour. We don't know. <laughs> but whatever it is, I obviously have got, obviously, a gung-ho nature, which is I'm now noticing. <laughs> go in alone. <laughs> go to the mad. Come back later on my own. 
Um, yeah, so that's interesting. I did know that side of me was going to come out. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see whether, A, you might finally get some company to go back or get a bigger weapon, because a pen knife against some chimpanzees is not going to work. No, no, oh. and, 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 and not being funny, it's chimpanzees will rip your face off. A pen knife's not going to yeah. do anything. <laughs> no. You might be able to whittle a nice sculpture out of some wood for them, but that's about it. All right, here we go. You drive about a mile away from the house and park your car on the side of a tree-shaded road. You check the time on your watch. It is 4.35pm. It has almost been two hours since you got the phone call. You take out the piece of paper that you took from the hand of the dying man. You realise that it is a corner of a larger sheet of paper. Two of the edges are cut straight and the third side is ragged and it's been torn off. You hold it up to the light, almost expecting a message to somehow be hidden in the paper itself. You start to stick the paper back into your pocket when something makes you hold the paper back up to the light again. You hadn't noticed it before, but the paper has tiny flecks of red and blue in it. That rings a bell, of course. The special paper the US currency is printed on has those flecks in it. Oh. I mean, I know. It's made of money paper. Several thoughts spin across your mind. Was that man Henry Marsden? Was it his house? Was he a counterfeiter? Or was he trying to escape from counterfeiters? Trying to escape seems more likely. And what about the chimpanzees? Could they have trained these animals to be counterfeiters? That's insane. You can't, away from the story a minute, you can't train a chimpanzee to make fake money. I wouldn't say. Well, no, I mean, there has, I mean, as far as I know, and people uh, who know more about uh, wildlife will know more than me, but... I mean, you can get some of the ape species to figure out sign language and you can kind of talk to them via sign language. That's a thing. But to Mm. actually be counterfeiters. (laughs) Yes. To be fair, R.A. Montgomery, who wrote the book, his next line is, no, that makes about as much sense as a yodelling astronaut. (laughs) So even he thinks it's a nuts idea. Yeah. Okay. You drive back to see if Ricardo and Lisa have called. You check your phone. Nothing yet. You put some equipment into your shoulder bag. A pair of high-powered binoculars, a small tear gas gun, clever Shaz, clever, and a high-speed camera with a zoom lens. Then back to the Marsden place, you plant yourself in a clump of bushes across the street. From here you can see the house, but no one can see you. You scan the lawn with your binoculars. The body of the man has disappeared. All seems quiet. And my uh, knowledge of these books, when something seems quiet, it's not quiet. Just then, a long black limousine drives up to the gatehouse. Two tough-looking men get out and walk towards the house. When they are almost there, the chimps appear. The men just ignore them and go into the house. Then the chimps vanish again into thin air. That's it. The chimps are not real. They must be filmed and projected holograms, three-dimensional pictures made with laser light programmed to turn on and off whenever someone approaches the house. Minutes later, the two men leave, carrying several small packages. Now, there's no choice yet here, Shaz, but what is going on? What do you think is going on in this house? Who blew the dart at me? Yes, a hologram couldn't blow a dart at you, could it? No. So if they were holograms, there's somebody there. And also, 
as the book says, I'm in a clump of bushes. You can see them, but you, no one can see me. Well, you don't know that. That's true. You don't know how sophisticated their alarm system and security system is. They may have a mm. camera in that specific clump of bushes, and they've got. I like. I, they could be seeing me this close. I would never, as a detective, take that for granted. So let's assume that the chimpanzees are real and blew the dart. These, um, what they call tough-looking men, who are coming out with very small packages, uh, drug dealers. That's that. That's too much for a book to eight to ten-year-olds, isn't it? Drug dealers. Yeah. Well, I would have thought so. I mean, there's many things in small packages from a child. It could be jewelry, like you know, diamonds and stuff. My my innocent head says it's the first branch of Deliveroo, and they've just got some food they need to take to someone in a nearby house. Could that be a thing? I don't know. All right. No, 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 it could be. They could have min- yeah. little, little tiny meals. Yeah, little tiny meals. Things begin to add up in your mind. This place is creepy enough, built next to the ruins of an old prison. Add to this the snarling images of chimpanzees to scare off anyone getting too close to the house. It's a perfect base for operations for a gang of counterfeiters. Ah. The unfortunate man who died must have somehow stumbled into their hideout. You ease out of your post in the bushes and run back to your car. You drive to the nearest telephone to inform the police. Then you check your watch. 7.23pm. Case solved in 4 hours and 41 minutes. Not bad, you think. Do you think you solved it? No! The next day, the lead story in the paper is... On a top tip from a well-known local detective whose suspicions were aroused by strange occurrences around the Hedgebrook prison ruins, police raided a nearby house yesterday, exposing a counterfeiting operation. Seized were a number of bogus printing plates and a large quantity of counterfeit money. Three men were arrested and charged with homicide as well as counterfeiting after the body of another yet unidentified man was found in the basement of the house. The end. What well, I don't know what to say, Colin. I really don't. Maybe that's my gung-ho nature. I didn't think it was going to go that way. And when I've read the book before, which I read the book prior to our recording, that story, that was not the way the story went for me. Are you happy with your story and the decisions you made? Well, obviously, the thing, yeah, I suppose, well... I, I, I'm not going to lie. I am so surprised I'm still alive. I was <laughs> absolutely, too. if there was 20 endings, 19 ways to die, one da- way to stay alive. And I chose the most perilous journey and stayed alive. Well done. And top detective work. And I think this goes for any other detective work you do. Don't bring Ricardo and Lisa because I don't think you would have done as well. Yeah. No. And also, yeah, again, you bring more people into the mix into kind of tricksy situations like this if anything happened to Ricardo and Lisa I would never forgive myself <laughs> fair enough I didn't think you liked uh, Ricardo I, I thought that's why we weren't bringing him but you you a soft place in your heart for Ricardo yeah yeah he's had a tough life Ricardo he needs looking after bless Ricardo so no no um, no I, d- I never thought I'd survive that I genuinely didn't because of what Cody said I expected to be mm. here crying, uh, and now I'm actually secretly quite chuffed with myself. <laughs> I'm disappointed we didn't meet Genghis Khan. Oh, um, God, yeah, that, Genghis that was, was in it, wasn't he? Got it. Somewhere. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I wanted to meet this. I wanted to meet the monkeys, and I got my wish. So, are they saying that the monkeys were holograms to frighten off people coming into their counterfeit operation? They weren't real. I think they were. I, I mean, like, I don't think they were real. I think they were holograms, and I think probably one of those men in a limousine probably blew the poison dart at me to like warm me off, or he was a bad shot and tried to kill me as well. We don't know mm. which that might be. I mean, they they are up for a murder. They murdered Henry Marsden. There's another body unidentified in the cellar. Could be Ricardo. I'm just putting it out there. I've made it dark, but who knows? And, um, <laughs> and they tried to kill you as well, Shaz, so I, I don't put it past them. I don't put it past them. Brilliant. Well, yeah. that's not bad. Four hours, job's done, FBI, they'll pay, probably pay me more money to get more incredible equipment. And I obviously <laughs> wasn't supposed to meet Genghis today. That's for another day. Very nice, Shaz. Thank you so much for being our Voyager today. I've enjoyed it, and I know you didn't meet, get to meet Genghis Khan, but, uh, you know, like you said, another time. Let me remind people, if they want to get in touch about how they felt Shaz did uh, on her adventure, or to say how they would have done, or what uh, choices they would have made in the book, they can do that on Twitter and Instagram. We are Page Turner Show. that's at Page Turner Show. or you can send a lovely little email, tell me about uh, your favourite sandwich from the 1980s, which is Voyager the Page Turner at gmail.com Shaz if people want to find out a bit more about you or what you do with your meditation and what you offer how could they do that? They can go to my website which is www.cornwallmeditationcenter or one word dot com or they can find me again at Cornwall Meditation Centre on Facebook and my number's mm. attached to the website and the Facebook so if they Want a more personal chat, feel free to call me, or if you just want a bit of general info, then you can drop me an email, and yeah, new year, new beginnings, feel like a change. Very nice too, and I hope people do, and uh, who knows, well, they'll take one of your courses and then be able to make better decisions in a book, because look, you do meditation and you uh, manage to find the one escape route out of this house of danger, so well done, well done. <laughs> How are you going to? How is your character going to spend their fee and their reward from this uh, amazing bit of detective work? What would they spend it on? Right. So, I know. I uh, yeah. I think uh, a proportion of it should go to charity. I think. Uh, I think that's a good idea. I think you know. At the end of the day, it's uh, look after everybody properly. Mm. If I was going to get a treat for myself, probably a day down the donkey sanctuary. <laughs> I was going to ask what would eight-year-old Shaz do, but probably the same, probably the same. Yeah, yeah. she would. Actually, the donkey sanctuary has been a big fixture over my 40-odd years. Maybe buy this series of books and relive the page-turners uh, myself in my own own time, all of them. No no presents for uh, Ricardo or Lisa? Maybe we could have, like, I don't know, a, you know, go for a socially distanced walk, maybe have a little takeaway cup of tea... Because, I mean, presence mm. at the moment, I don't know how you're feeling, but I think, you know, it means more to me now to kind of see people than give stuff. So, um, yeah, probably a social distance walk down on the beach. And just, you know, oh. see that see that Ricardo's doing all right and Lisa's okay as well. I wouldn't buy a wham bar, though. Voyage of the Page Turner featured the books of author R.A. Montgomery, hosted by Colin Lego. Featuring special guest Shaz Andrew. Voiceover by Samuel Thomas. Produced by Colin Lego. Special thanks to Ant McGinley. Remember, 
you could find us on Instagram and Twitter at Page Turner Show. Find us, message us, like us. Until we meet next time, remember, choose wisely.